Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. ESPN senior writer Chris Lowe joining us here on the show. Of course, Chris Lowe broke the Nick Saban news that he is retiring, and we're so thrilled to have you on with us this morning, Chris. Good to be with you. Thanks for having me. So I got to ask you then, I mean, this news, it kind of came as a surprise to everybody. And what was your reaction to this when when you found out or, or even how you found out? Well, Mike Johnson actually called me. <laughs> hey. his, uh, his old coach was retiring. But, uh, <laughs> Mike with <laughs> <was> the scoop. <laughs> yeah, well, listen, why not? Mike was one of the foundation, one of the pillars of, uh, of the process back in the day. But I uh, I was it was a little bit surreal that it was actually happening. You know that, there, that this guy, such an institution, was actually walking away. But I wasn't a thousand percent surprised because I knew he was seriously considering it. I think mean, he and his wife Terry had gone through a similar process the year before to talk about this sort of where they were in their lives and making his career. And, and I knew once they lost and when they did lose out in L.A. that he was going to take those next three, four days and talked to some people, you know, very close to him and sort of decide if it was the right thing. I think once he got back to Bama that Monday, uh, he, he pretty much knew that's what he was going to do. He wanted to still sort it out in his head. And so when he, you know, I talked to him the morning after he retired and then Reese Davis, Reese talked to him later that afternoon. And I know he was, you know, when you make a decision like that, any of us, um, you have, natural what butterflies your new your nerves are sort of hey is this the right thing to do am i really going to go through with this and i think that's sort of what nick was fighting those last couple hours he talked to people and then eventually went in to tell his team you know that um he was walking away because i and more than anything what he told me that just kept going through his mind there in those final few hours was all the people that his decision to retire would impact you know all the people that work for him not just his coaches, but all the, you know, m- many people on his staff and people he'd been around. And uh, a big part of his success there at Alabama for, for years. Chris, uh, one of the things that's been announced is he's going to keep an office at Alabama and be around the program. Uh, kind of a two-parter first, because he get to keep his office with the, uh, with, the, with the button that closes the door while he moved down the road <laughs> to a different office. And how would that relationship between him and DeBoer uh, work? How, how would they coexist? Yeah. He's not going to stay in the football complex. That was He didn't want to do that. He, he's going to have an office there at Bryant Danny, the stadium, which is, you know, as Mike knows, it's a decent, what is that, Mike, a half mile away from the, the yeah, football about that. complex? About a half mile, yeah. Something like that. So he's not going to be walking around the hallways and poking his head meetings. That's that's not that's not Nick's style. He wants to be there. He wants to have a presence, you know, be a resource for the whole university and and Kalen DeBoer and anybody that needs him, you know, as they bounce ideas off of him. And what a great resource to have. But no, he he is not. I know people have asked me that. You know, what's that's, what's it going to be like, Kalen DeBoer having Nick Saban sort of hovering? Well, he's not going to hover, and nor does he want to hover. That's that's not why. 
And I think a lot of his role is still yet to be determined. And he'll probably he'll be asked to wear a couple different hats, you know, as, as whatever his title is going to be. But I think it's a good thing. I, I, put it this way: if I'm Kalen DeBoer, I want to have Nick Saban still there in Tuscaloosa to be able to soak up everything I can from him about the program, about people that are going to be playing, about how to go about handling certain issues. Because remember, you know, the board doesn't know the lay of the land. He hasn't been around Alabama. And he's got the greatest ever to do it. It's going to be right there, as, as I said, the, the ultimate resource. Visiting with uh, Chris Lowe, ESPN college football writer. Chris, I, one of the things about Nick Saban's tenure at Alabama lasting so long is the last time there was a coaching search, which lasted, I don't remember, about five weeks. Obviously, I was I was uh, about to be a sophomore in the program. He didn't really have that big of a presence of social media, of Twitter, of all the above. I, I'll be honest, this, this search lasted less than 48 hours, and it felt like a roller coaster ride. And there was a number of different names being thrown out there. Dan Lanning was one of the ones that was hot at first. What do you make of this, and do you have any insight to any of these guys actually being formally offered the job, or was this a, a Jimmy Sexton kicking the tires and getting his guys all raises uh, on his way to, to eventually getting the guy they wanted all along in Kalen DeBoer? You know, the first thing I would say is that no, nobody, no AD or, or school ever gets turned down. We all know that, right? Everybody gets their first choice. I mean, it's, it's <laughs> I'm right. being facetious, clearly. But in this in this instance, I'll say this: Greg Burns, a, a really savvy, good administrator, family AD. He he was not caught off guard by this. He had he had time, and he had a working list um, that he you know guys that he absolutely wanted to. You say kick the tires or what have you. And I know for a fact that, that Kevin DeBoer was always right there at or near the top of that list. Greg has liked and, and admired Kalen for a while, excuse me, for a while now. So as far as the pecking order, you mentioned Jimmy Sexton. Jimmy, you know, the top agent, one of the top agents, if not the top agent in all sports, had all those guys. You know, he had he has Nick Saban. He has um, – Kalen DeBoer, he has Mike Norvell, he has Steve Sarkeesian, and he has Dan Lanning. Uh, so there wasn't like, so it wasn't like, all right, Greg Byrne has to reach out to all these guys. He had Jimmy right there in Tuscaloosa. Jimmy was on campus for much of that time to talk to and say, all right, who's realistic, who's not? And think about what happened that one day. Sarkeesian gets a new deal, it's going to take him over $10 million. Norvell gets a new deal, it's going to take him over $2 million. And Kalen DeBoer goes from being coach at Washington to Alabama with a deal I'm sure it will be right in the $10 million range. So I think that's how it works. I know they talked to Norvell. I know Norvell was, was certainly as serious as can. I think at the end of the day, those are the two guys, DeBoer and Norvell. And I won't say in what order, but clearly those are two guys that I had uh, significant major interest in. And I know Greg went pretty early out west. Uh, to try to sort of nail it down and talk to the, to the board. And ultimately, that was the guy. You know, I'll repeat this, and I know how there'll be, there'll be stuff that will come out after the fact. And again, I, I've done this long enough to know that nobody ever, no AD ever gets turned down, okay? Well, a lot of what you do is you offer, hey, here's an offer sheet. Here's what we could pay you, you know, X this year, B this year. We give you this much money for your staff. Would you be willing to take the job? And and again, the, the two guys that, that this thing ultimately is focused in on were 
for DeBoer and Norvell. And I know that Greg DeBoer, or Greg Byrne is really, really pumped that he was able to get DeBoer. I think that was a guy from going back to probably last year. Because he, you know, I think Nick had told him that he was pretty close to nearing the finish line. And so, as any good AD would do, Byrne had been doing his homework. ESPN College Football Insider Chris Lowe joining us here on the morning shift. Chris, they've hired their D.C. in Kane Walmack, but Traveris Robinson was a guy that they tried to keep late uh, after it was kind of announced he's going to Georgia. How did that all play out, and what does it mean for Caleb Downs and where he might transfer or if he stays? Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress-them-on-the-third-date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Yeah, no, I think that's a priority now is to keep down. He's, I think he's the best football player on the roster. <laughs> and a lot of people would join me in saying that. So our Tom Van Heeren, who covers recruiting and the portal really well talked to down to his dad last night and this was before you know Kane had been announced as, as DC and he just said he wanted to sort of see who the DC was going to be uh, maybe have a chance to talk to him and, and think about it before he made any decisions either way stay or leave or hit the portal um, no that's that's a priority I know it's a priority for Kane and I guarantee it's a priority for Kevin DeBoer is, is keeping your best players and, and you've seen a bunch of guys leave, which happens now in transition. But it's important, I think, also that you know, you see guys like you know Staples on that team, like Tyler Booker, uh, Deontay Lawson, uh, Jalen Milrow, uh, saying, hey, Kate Proctor, younger guys that are going to come back and be a big part of that defense. I think we haven't seen, as far as I know, we haven't seen Malachi Moore come out and say he's going to leave. Um, and now, now I think the the final piece to that is making sure Downs doesn't leave. And you know, ultimately in this in this era of football, you know, somebody jumps up and offers him a ton of money. You know, we saw Isaiah Bond go to Texas. You know, he, so he goes from as I said the other day, Isaiah goes from fourth and thirty one to the forty acres. Uh, it's just it's sort of different. And I just keep our eye on what uh, what Taylor does, but he is. Absolutely, 100% a, a huge priority for that entire staff to, to keep them there. Chris, I want to thank you for coming on with us. I know the only reason you did it is because of the All-American and oh the national God. champion that Jesus. we have here. Christ. You know, Chris, yeah. I, just, I want to apologize for all the bad answers I probably gave you 15, 16 years ago <laughs> well, when we were – 
when we were sitting <clears throat> in that complex. Man. Yeah, what was that like, Chris, dealing with a young Mike Johnson? Because yeah, I got the probably, older the older head here now. I probably met Chris when I was twenty, probably Chris, maybe maybe younger than that. Mike, listen, Mike Johnson was was one. Um, I mean this sincerely. Mike knows this. He was one of my favorite interviews. That, that whole offensive line was great <laughs> back in those days. You had Vallejos, you had Mike yeah. Johnson, yeah, you Barrett, had Barrett Jones, yeah. There were a ton of good guys. Antoine Caldwell, early, early on. I'm going way back now. Yeah. And the best part of it is the guy who coached him, Gil Pendry, who I had a chance to talk to the other night and, and really has continued to be one of Nick Saban's closest confidants, was, was there. And, and Joe and I go back to 95 when he was the offensive coordinator on the Carolina Panthers, their first staff. So that was a lot of fun, man. And, and I again, I'm not, <laughs> I'm not trying to. To, to set Mike up here, but those players and those guys on those early teams, you know, and getting to know Saban, you know, as I have over the years was a big reason they were able to build what they built because it had not been Mike. What were you, were you two years before uh, Saban got there? Yeah, one I had year two, the two years with Shula. Yep, that's right. So you're probably as good a person as any to talk about where you were, what Nick did, how he did it, and sort of where you got to because you sort of saw that whole transition but no that was uh, hard to believe it's been that long ago but no that was great now I, I loved uh, I loved covering those teams even though I had to put up put up with McElroy what a blessing it was what a blessing it was we thank you so much for joining us today really appreciate all the insight you bet it was a, it was a pleasure guys have a great day